Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow and Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM. Lucas and Vincent were not in the mainstream of gay life. I was saving body parts such as uh, skulls. Doesn't it bother you that he's a fag? You have done me a great service. Now I must service you. And the drugs were, were always a, a cry for attention, for somebody to pay attention to me before I, you know, kill somebody. <laughs> You can imagine what it smells like if you go into a closed room. Something is trying to get inside my body. Yeah, she's female and she's waiting for you in the cabana. And you want to sleep with me. Buckle up, Sodomites, and welcome to the Sinister Sissies Podcast. Your guide to true crime, horror, and everything man-on-man and macabre. I'm Jared, your master of depravity, staring at the cheeky little face. Oh, my filthy little slave, Sam Hamilton. Allegedly cheeky. Jared says I keep throwing him off and I haven't been doing anything. He's been eating jelly beans at the start. It's okay, definitely I like to off. eat. Sue me. So, fair warning at the start of this podcast, we're filming it, uh, filming it, we're recording it slightly later than normal and I've just worked a whole day and it's, and Sam's just had COVID. It's all, it might be a little, little lower energy. Look, I'm I'm feeling very energized, but this is actually the first time I've ever seen Jared not drinking when we've been recording. I know, I'm like a sober recording. That actually is going to be, that's going to throw off the vibes considerably. <laughs> well, look, I'm vibing. I'm usually not drunk. Right. Uh, sometimes. He's a sensible boy. Um, and we're also doing a little something a little bit different uh, for this episode. So uh, we normally do like... A serial killer and then a movie and serial killer and a movie. But sometimes the movies are kind of a little bit short on the content. So we're starting to do this thing just for this season where we do double features. What do we call this double feature? I forgot. I don't know. Gay, cute, young serial killers? The real killer podcast. Okay, we should have sorted that out beforehand. We're doing a double feature today of in two films. We're doing... Uh, King Cobra released in 2016 and My Friend Dharma in 2017. Uh, And the reason that these might be a little bit shorter ones when put together is we've actually covered the cases that these are based on. Uh, Sam wasn't there. Yeah, it was before my time. Can you guys believe there was a time before me? (laughs) You know, the quality of the podcast was a little higher. Um... Mm -hmm. (laughs) My knife was a little less sharp nope. back then. I'm it, ready to stab you. It was uh, it was a much worse podcast, actually. The that's actually not true. It just would have been a, like organizational nightmare for you. Oh yeah, me doing it by myself. The 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 very first episode of Sinister Sissies where um, we did Jeffrey Dahmer 
Uh, please don't go back and listen to that because I can't imagine how terrible that is. I remember you called it Daddy Dharma. So he was yeah, going for, like, you were going for that headline. I was, you know, it got a lot of listens, but not a lot of continued listens. But anyway, um, so we're doing those, those two movies today. Uh, commonalities amongst them is that they're both uh, based on real life true crimes, of course. Um, and both starring Disney Channel stars? Is yeah, that what they're Both from? of them were in the Teen Beach movie franchise. I believe they were both in Teen Beach movie and Teach, Teen Beach movie 2. And Ross Lynch was most recently in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So, oh. you know, he, he kind of went back. He's like, you know what? I might get back to... I mean, he went from, like, child to this to teen. So he, he kind of graduated. Yeah, so there must be something where, like, the teen stars like to experiment in these kind of gay killer movies, uh, you know, to see if their career goes. I don't know the... the person who plays uh the very famous character of brent corrigan uh in king cobra his name is garrett clayton and i have not seen anything else that he's in well i know that he's actually gay in real life and alicia silverstone officiated his wedding and she ah. co-starred in this movie of him as his mum. so they must have um you That's know they must have bonded well, why don't, let's start off with our first movie which is king cobra how old are you? 18. Take off some of those clothes. Show the Cobra fans what they really want to see. They are gonna love you. This is just the beginning for you. I can pay you so much more if you're willing to go all the way. Introducing Rent Cord. It's fun to play with who we are, don't you think? Okay. This guy, Brent Corrigan, his videos are selling like hotcakes. Just wait till I make you a star. Steven, it's Joe. Viper Boys. Who? Listen, we're big fans, and we're gonna use Brent in a little thing, so. Uh... Nobody works with Brent, he's mine. Hello? Mother. You gotta spend money to make money. I am willing to give you $25,000 for one video. I'm not losing you to anybody. You can't stop me from using my name. I trademarked it. I'm the one who calls the shots around here. You're Brent Corrigan. You have to do this video. If Steven is the only one standing in your way, then we'll take care of it. We'll make the movie and be rich. And you're gonna be a good boy, right? You're little bitches! No little bitches! Oh my god, you're doing porn! Maybe I like it. Maybe you pissed off the wrong person. Give it your best shot, you little shit. He's a kid. You got me into this. You little bitches! No, no. I've never done this before. Based on the infamous 2007 murder of Brian Cochis, uh, as can be listened to in our 2019 episode, Gay Porn Murder, with special guest um, performer Joel Someone for that particular episode. Uh, based on the murder of porn producer Brian Cochis, who they remade, renamed to Stephen Cochis for the film. King Cobra um, was inspired specifically from a book by Andrew E. Stoner uh, called Cobra Killer and is directed by Justin Kelly, who I've just got in my notes that he has previously made other gay things. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I guess... I guess I'll have to believe you. 
He, um, well, I was going to look into those movies, but they looked very boring. It's very much like a like a mid-2000s, you know, you have a conservative father, but we're in love, you know, those type of movies. And as I said, starring teen star Garrett Clayton uh, as Sean Paul Lockhart, also known as Brent Corrigan. Uh, Sam, I'm assuming you were aware of Brent Corrigan before watching this film. Uh, very much so. Um <laughs> Well, I mean, I feel like when Brent Corrigan was, like, at his height of fame, yeah. that was when I was coming into my own, you know, sexually. And by that, I mean, I was, like, 14 or something. Yeah, but we uh, were stumbling <laughs> upon gay porn on the internet. But when I was first Brent finding Corrigan. gay porn, and I actually wonder, I don't know this for sure, but obviously King Cobra centers largely around a film that Brent made when he was underage. Yeah. And it was released. I wonder Are you admitting I, to I'm not watching admitting, child pornography? I'm not admitting to seeing that, but I wonder if I w- did when I was young, because I wouldn't have known the backstory or anything. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I would probably just been like everyone else and be like, oh, this is hot. And we didn't... Cause I, but I think in real life, Brent Corrigan was actually 15 in the film. Oh, really? And, like in the... In the um, I knew he was underage for his first couple of films. I didn't know. I think in his first one he may have been 15, but in the movie they make him 17, probably to air away from controversy. Let me me fact check that, but I I think it was 15. And if I saw that, I just want to reiterate, I did not know at the time. (laughs) You were a child, it's fine. Um, It's not fine. Does it it work like that? (laughs) No, 14. There's a presumption against you having guilt. Okay, well, I just wanted hot gay porn, and he was the biggest star of the moment. I actually loved his film that he directed. The one where he was like in like a, this is when he was an adult, obviously. <laughs> he was like in like a ski lodge. And it, I think it Oh, his actual like serious acting attempts. Oh, no, no. This is when he did his like, like four or five pornos. Oh, okay. This is still porno. <laughs> it was called like Summit or something and it was really hot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're Brent Corrigan fans on the on the podcast. Um, the, the story itself, because again, you can listen to our actual episode on the death of Brian Coaches. Um, but it is a weird tale, uh, centered on, uh, Brian Coaches, who is this very sleazy and predatory, uh, gay porn producer in the film. He's played by Christian Slater. And I've got to say, Christian Slater's weird plastic surgery really kind of made him the perfect fit for this yeah, What role. is going on with his face? Is it? He's definitely had a lift. Sorry, Christian. I'm really sorry to say it was weird. But, um, like, a gay man of that age would probably also have a list. But, like, so. it, it just kind of looked... I just kind of really believed that he was, like, some sleazy gay porn producer. Yeah. Uh, and that's very much like the real-life uh, Brian Coaches, uh, who was killed. He was killed by a uh, two men who ran a rival gay porn company called Viper Boys um, by Joe Karekis and Harlow Quandra. I remember when we first did that episode that I wasn't sure about that pronunciation, still not sure about it now, who in the movie are played by James Franco and some man who I didn't recognize and forgot to write down his name. I think Keegan Allen is his name. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Was in, he was also a teen star. Oh, God, they love moving into the gay <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, this they is... need to because they want to be edgy. It's like when Anne Hefei did that movie where she was in a gang and she like got, top, <laughs> got topless and stuff. I've never seen yeah, that this movie. Is, this is just what you do. <laughs> the agent starts just like, okay, it's time to fuck. You know camera. you're trash. I do. I am trash. I, I started going on my little rant against James Franco. Uh, we were talking about this before recording, that I cannot watch a fucking movie with James Franco. Yeah, at it. least in this movie, he plays a really obnoxious asshole, though. It's true. He's playing the kind of slightly predatory, um, corruptious, whatever his name slightly. is, Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, in this particular movie, um, 
the person who actually kills Brian Cochis is Harlow, which in real life we actually don't know. I'm pretty sure at trial they both blamed each other for the ones doing the actual killing. Um, so they've chosen to, to do a particular narrative there. So much for love and loyalty. No. In the movie they were presented as being this dysfunctional, but like at the end of the day they both had a lot of deep-rooted trauma and loved each other. You know, they turned on each other pretty quickly. Um, oh. So the, the actual trial is kind of in, uh, interesting. Um, but James Franco, I, I read something on the IMDb trivia that this was like his sixth gay character or something within well, a couple of years. Well, there was that period where he was obsessed with playing gay characters. And like gay I, culture stuff, he made interior leather bar, which he, was based on cruising. He may have even said that he wished he was gay or something. He wanted yeah. to be gay or something. I don't like it. It's like, weird. Well, we're not, you know, it's not a, we're not a fad. This is, you know, this is just, just, just it's who you are. It's a very, like, he's, do you know who he reminds me of? Ezra Miller. Well, Ezra Miller also is a little attention-seeking and clearly wants to be someone, but. And has beat up half of the people in Hawaii. <laughs> but Ezra Miller seems to have some, some deep-rooted mental health and maybe drug, or maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> seems to. Allegedly, seems allegedly. Seems to have some issues. So, the, the, James Rico threw me off this movie it also, like, did you find that uh, in King Cobra, the, the sex was never, like, hot <laughs> on I th- purpose? I thought the sex was hot when Brent Corrigan g- gets to the guy that's his own age. That was kind of hot. I got a little, like, I felt a little bl- bit of blood rushing. But the, the scenes between James Franco and the other guy, that was, like, a weird... But I think it was meant to feel uncomfortable. I think it was sort of meant to feel like this is kind of like inappropriate and toxic, this relationship. Like, is it... Like, I don't think it was meant to be like a fantasy fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I guess the reason that they probably even had Keegan Allen's character Harlow be the one that was shown committing the murder, I guess, is because we have that backstory of how he was abused before going into the situation and Christian Slater reminded him of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...his abuser. So... Yeah, I don't know. I, I just kind of felt like the way that the James Franco, Keegan Allen sex scenes were. I hope his name is Keegan Allen. I'm pretty sure it's Keegan Allen. We're, we're, we're uh, going with it. Um, well, the, know, the depiction was... of lots of things in here has been criticised. I know Brent Corrigan or Sean Lockhart. Is it, does he go by Sean Lockhart outside this? I, can't, I don't know. But he um, he gave permission to use his name in the film. But he said um, that it tells a story with contempt for queer culture and mockery for porn, which I think was maybe a little bit dramatic. Like, I, I mean, maybe a little dramatic. I think it's just, it, it, it's showing a predatory angle, but it's definitely not representing the whole industry like that. I think that it's sort of saying there are these two men who are very hungry for power and success. And also, Corrigan of... was, like, Brent Corrigan was taken advantage of. And and the film is pre- the film presents that Brent was taken advantage. Yeah, of. Like, yeah. He's a bit bratty in the movie, but yes. at the end of the day, he's not. He's the victim. He's not held. He's not presented as like the villain or anything like that. But I suppose I was thinking watching it, it would be very strange watching your own experience play out in this way. Like knowing that, obviously, this movie, like the storyline, is about a rival porn producer killing another porn producer over the trademark Brent Corrigan. Yeah, yeah. So that he can basically get Brent Corrigan to work for him. So this murder was sort of committed not because of Brent Corrigan, obviously, but it was done like for him in this weird sadistic way. Well, one thing that we did discuss in the true crime version of this is, uh, there's a dinner, which they do depict in the film 
where Corrigan kind of makes a joke indicating that he wants coaches killed. Uh, and that was like raised at the trial as potentially implicating Brent Corrigan, but I don't know. I think he was just a young idiot complaining about this guy who um, he thought took advantage of him, which I think he did, and also kept the rights to his brand, which meant that he couldn't go into other producers. The film definitely doesn't like paint Brent as a, as a villain overall. No. Just a bit ditzy, which well, I think is maybe a bit accurate to real life. And he even has like his little redemption at the end, so Yes. You get a good nice little shot of his ass, which you That too. I meant more when, you know, he goes to the police, tells them the truth, makes up with his mom, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I I okay. Overall, not a huge fan of this film. This is the lesser of the two films for me. Um one, not sexy enough. If you're gonna make a porno murder film make it like heavy on the porno side of things the side drama stuff like molly ringwald plays coach's sister in this and i don't know what that was all about it didn't really add anything to the film i was actually kind of intrigued as to what would have gotten like alicia silverstone and molly ringwald to do the roles they did because they weren't particularly meaty parts i think they might just be friends with the director probably well, he must have like really idolized like eighties and nineties cinema or something, and been like, "Ladies, he's a gay man, please." <laughs> the director is a gay man. But I do think the reason that this film wasn't like hot, like you're saying, it should have been as well, is because it probably was sort of presenting itself as a bit of an expose on like the naughty's gay porn scene and like how you know parts of it were kind of seedy. Yeah, but it didn't even lean into that as much as it could have. It didn't lean into it as much because I think it wanted to still be objective, but I think it wasn't trying to glamorize sort of that era of adult filmmaking maybe yeah 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 i don't know what did you think about it overall i think it's got some cool visuals i think the performances are really good it's a very breezy movie like i don't think it's great by any means but like you kind of watch it and you're intrigued you're enthralled at times you do laugh at the absurdity of the performances and what's going on at times you want to slap brent um, yeah <laughs> So, you know, it, it, it did its job for me. I actually enjoyed it more this time than when I first saw it. I think when I first saw it, I was disappointed because it's really not that explicit considering the content of murder so and hey, sex. You want sex. Um, but That's I what think you this, wanted a film like this. I guess this time I knew what to expect. So I was like, oh, this actually stood up better than I thought. I also don't think Garrett Clayton's a very good actor. Is that a bad thing to say? <laughs> no, he wasn't like phenomenal, but I think he was well cast as Brent though, and he did kind of resemble him. I feel like Brent's hotter. Yeah, but it's hard. How do you know? Brent was like, that was the whole thing. Brent was like, considered to be like it and a bit in that era. How do you... It and a bit. <laughs> how do you just replicate that? It's true. It's true. Um, but yeah, lesser of the two films that we're going to talk about for me, I reckon maybe check it out if, you know, you're interested in that early noughties gay porn era uh, and just the weirdly big name celebrities yeah that if you like veteran 80s and 90s stars and you know current or just past teen stars um if you cause... like just past teen stars maybe seek help <laughs> <laughs> okay you know what i mean okay there were teen <laughs> idols like seven years ago and now they're in this movie okay well what i will say right so king cobra was kind of accused of not being fully truthful hmm. Whereas my friend Dharma, our next film has been praised a lot for the like the perceived accuracy yeah of jeffrey's life and you actually, Isn't I that actually better? that's good yeah I, I actually almost i mean i'm not, not going to go as far as to say i felt sorry for him but like he had a really it was just kind of like this is how trauma and abuse fucks one up 
I now present to you, Jeff. Jeffrey. For this time, Jeffrey. Okay, then I present to you Jeffrey Dahmer in his command performance. I was wait, Dahmer. Dumbass. I wish I had a best friend. Jeff's a little off, you know? I think he's kind of hilarious. Hey, Jeff, do you want to come sit at our table? I think that we should form a fan club. With you as our fearless leader, we can really disrupt this school. Everybody ready? It's been difficult with your mother, so I moved into a motel. Take a deep breath. Are you okay? Hey, Dahmer, he's in the bag. You seem healthy to me. Yeah, I don't think I sometimes get annoyed and I said that now in the Dharma episode for the podcast. Um, Dharma is sometimes overly uh, perceived as this kind of vulnerable loner type thing. And it did touch on that but not in a way that annoyed me like he was you could see the the sociopath underneath it all yeah there's a sinister edge despite his circumstances yeah it was a it was like a really strong performance i thought and even the way that he sort of learns to adapt to human emotion and to being liked during the film yeah like obviously in the movie and in real life um, you know, Dharma like starts faking seizures and pretending to be have cerebral palsy, etc., to get the attention and validation of his classmates. Once he learns that people will like him if he presents himself, like sort of as a joke, I guess. Yeah, he learns to a adapt. very very teenage boy humor thing yeah. as well, like very classic teenage boy humor that it's this awful making fun of someone. Yeah, and he le- and he learns in the end. We see he learns how to turn the charm on and. You know, he we yeah. see glimpses of that charming. He of... wasn't a true loner in the sense that he could actually be friends with people, which I think is often not talked about with Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, it seems very forced when he was, but yeah, he was definitely perceptive enough to switch it on. Yeah. So my friend Dahmer was released in 2017 and is written and directed by Mark Myers, who actually hasn't done a lot of other things. So I was looking at his background. It is based on. The uh, graphic novel, My Friend Dharma, by John Durf, back Durf, who is actually depicted in the film as a friend of Jeffrey Dharma from high school, a, a true story that was turned into this graphic novel. Well, and it's quite interesting, too, because if you listen to this Durf, because Durf kind of exploited Jeffrey in life and then debatably yeah. in death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because basically when it came out that Jeffrey Dharma was a serial killer, then Durf made this graphic novel series about, like, I'm assuming their childhood together. Yeah. Bef- before, you know, pre-murder. Um, but yes, it's, it's, I kind of found that an interesting I feel like it's fine about. exploitation. I feel like, you know... No, it's just... It's a weird history that needs to be depicted. I haven't yeah. read it. I, I actually kind of... Once I rewatched this movie, I was tempted to actually read the graphic novel. It's a weird history, but it's just made even more kind of bizarre and borderline uncomfortable to me by the fact that their friendship was spurred from Durf sort of making fun of Dharma and getting yeah. him to do engage in these behaviours where other people sort of just saw him as a joke. 
And there's another character in the film, Neil, I think his name is, who's seen as being like actually a friend and actually caring about Dharma. So it's just kind of interesting that Jeff... And a potential love interest? I didn't know... I don't know if that's, like, based in real life, but did you get the vibe that that was... I didn't get that vibe. Oh, but, okay. you know, maybe... Maybe that's what they were going for. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I thought that other boy had a crush on him, the one that's like, my dad got us tickets to the concert. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right, yeah. Um, interesting production note to this. They actually filmed the family home scenes in Jeffrey Dahmer's actual childhood home um in iowa uh and there's all these this talk from the cast members that they were like it's haunted blah 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 blah. but i never know if they just make that shit up for promotion for the film (laughs) well i also feel like you if you know that fucked up shit has happened in a property or that someone like scary has lived in a property you're gonna just have these quote-unquote feelings i feel yeah you're gonna get the vibes uh, young Jeffrey Dahmer is played by Ross Lynch, who you talked about earlier, who I thought was like really, really good. Yeah, he yeah he milked this role. Like he, yeah, it's he's kind of segued away from acting now, and he's doing more his music career. Oh, but I think that in a few years I could see him coming back and doing like one of those career turning performances, maybe. Yeah, he um, apparently uh, every day watched. Uh, interviews with Jeffrey Dahmer to get prepared for the role and he like replicated it well the real life Durf uh, said that he was like creeped out by the performance because it was a very accurate portrayal of teenage Dahmer so that's a that's a pretty big praise um, and Durf was played by Alex Wolf right yes yeah or the other one I always confuse I think it was Alex not, okay. not Nat slash Nate I think it was Alex which one's in Hereditary Alex oh okay so I think is one of them a good actor in the other Wait, one no, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wrong <laughs> One of them was in that terrible Death Note remake. Oh, yeah, I think that's the other one. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think one of them is in good movies and one of them is in bad movies. Yeah, so Alex was in Hereditary. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah, he, he makes better choices. Look, low-key Scream King. Yeah, kind of. He you tends know, to two, do. Two iconic, yeah. you know, horrific movies. Um, yeah, he was okay as a character. Kind of a, Durf is kind of a side character to, to Dharma's obsession, so... I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you already know generally the Jeffrey Dahmer story, but the film depicts uh, Dahmer's early life, um, dealing with a very mentally unwell mother, um, his obsession with dissolving animal carcasses, um, and his growing obsession with a local jogger in his neighborhood, which he is sexually attracted to and has fantasies of hitting with a baseball bat. The film, I think, is particularly unique because um, it cuts off, it stops right before what would be Dharma's first murder. Yeah, it ends with him picking up the hitchhiker that never returned home. Yes, uh, which is kind of an interesting choice. If you were going to market this movie, you'd think you'd you know, go for the kills, but it, it just relies on this like slow, unsettling... Uh, turn in Jeffrey Dahmer's mind. He's, yeah. It's interesting because it kind of goes between being like a sitcom at times to being this really tragic story of like how horrific circumstances can misshape somebody. It has like a yeah, it has like a quirky vibe. It's like a, like an exaggerated nineteen seventies or something like that. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds you almost of like one of the like what's that movie of Jennifer Jason Lee where she gets pregnant and has the abortion. And uh, Fast Times at Ridgemount High. Okay. It yeah. kind of like almost like has that sort of vibe, but then there's this darkness that just sort of yeah. festers and becomes more and more prevalent. 
Yeah, so I mean, we yeah, we follow the kind of trials and tribulations of like Dharma going to prom and Dharma going, you know, meeting these friends and and making fun of his mum's interior designer, um, who was cerebral palsy and all these sorts of things, and then just this this undercurrent that he is slowly being more and more tempted by things. I also think it depicted his alcoholism very well. Mm. People don't often talk about the fact that Jeffrey Dahmer um, was an alcoholic and alcohol paid, played like a huge role in most of his murders. He used to describe just drinking so much that he'd black out and do the initial killing. He didn't enjoy the killing. He enjoyed the product afterwards and what he could do. Um, and yeah, this kind of shows that he, like started just drinking during the day at a very young age and that was part of his slow descent yeah like I, it's a very it's very compellingly done like i would watch like an eight-part series about this like i felt like there was still so much i wanted to sort of see and this is without any murder or anything like that occurring you know yeah as a, as a backstory it, i saw some reviews for it and people didn't like the pacing i i like a good not even it's not even a slow burn it just it's it, it, it just has a quiet pace to it. Like I guess it's, it's sort of similar to what you said about King Cobra as well, where people probably expected this would cover like his early kills or something like that. And yeah. And it's just about his high school life and how he's slowly developing this fixation with death and yeah, collecting bones and all that sort of stuff. And there are moments in the film where like you can see that he's considering acts of violence. And yes. he's struggling with his sexuality and all that stuff. So the seeds are sort of all... Well, there's that scene. So... There's a scene depicted in the film where um, Dharma is in having a conversation with Durf, played by Alex Wolfe, um, and uh, he realises after the conversation is had, Durf notices that Dharma is holding a baseball bat. Yeah. That is a story that Durf has in his novel and he actually tells. But kind of what you were saying earlier... I wonder if that's just made up. <laughs> I mean, it's the perfect ending. Like, he was considering <laughs> killing, like, his quote-unquote best friend. Who just that... also happens to write the graphic novel. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was a bit like... Mm. It, it did feel like something that maybe did that really... Yeah. It's a great punchline for the end of the film, but, like, he, he's, you know, he's gone so far he was going to kill his best friend. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, did it really happen? It felt a bit sensational to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, like, this is such a better film, and I would highly, highly recommend that you watch it. You need to go into it with the right mindset that it's like a like a slow psychological study rather than like it's not a horror film per no se. i wouldn't but it's very unsettling even from the like the, the opening scene or the second scene where they're on the school bus yeah yeah and just dharma's behavior when he sees the jogger and just gets out of his seat and goes and, like watches out the back window yeah yeah yeah. it's just you know like you just it's, you just feel very uncomfortable like something's not right here this, this person just doesn't have social cues and, like, it's not going to end well for him. They also, they, there's a lot of, the, the weird psychosexual stuff comes up a lot. Like, there's the thing where he's in the doctor's office. Oh, God, yeah, that's, that's, that's an weird. Erection. I, was, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, which I think, because that, that is part of Dharma, that, that kind of psychosexual disturbing weirdness he wanted that he, that, he wanted that physical he did he enjoyed that common doctor in, in the u.s to have physicals like that because it, i don't know i see it in movies there all are the time. so many movies where it's like get ready for your physical and i've never had i don't want to get one done i always think that there's something wrong with me i feel like they need to do a head to toe because we have public health i don't think we can just do that i feel like we always have to like pay a shitload of money everything goes downhill in your 30s well, anyway, this is a <laughs> how are we how are we wrapping this up? I don't know. Should we be comparing me to what was Jeffrey doing at thirty? Killing probably. So uh, he peaked. 
What was Jeffrey doing at 30? Um, uh, 1960, died in 1994, 60, 70, 84. 80. Ah, so he... He would have been in jail then? Probably. Oh, look. Look, we haven't killed anyone. Well, there you go. So at my current age, Jeffrey was about to get arrested. Yeah. So he lived at his 20s, just killing away, and then it all went downhill. And he died four years later. And he was in prison for, you know, almost all of his 30s that he was alive for. So, yeah. you know, my You're life, doing better. My life is comparatively going better. <laughs> um, so check out uh, My Friend Dharma and potentially check out King Cobra, both examples of child stars trying the gay killer genre uh, <laughs> and getting some mixed results uh, as a consequence. Uh, I don't know if you're going to recommend one, one of the other. I definitely recommend My Friend Dharma as the better film. Yeah. King Cobra is more of a popcorn sort of movie. Like, if you're, like, having, like, a movie night with some friends, you'd probably watch that. Yeah. But if you're like, I want to watch some cinema. Yeah, yeah. probably check out My Friend Dharma. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Sinister Sissies. You can follow me on Twitter at Jared Bartle. That's Jared with a Y. You can follow us on Instagram and speak to Sam at Sinister underscore Sissies. And you can also support us on Patreon where you'll get extra episodes and our after shows. Until next time, though, stay sinister. <laughs>